You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello and welcome to Super Talk. My name is Gary West and I'm the Senior Manager, Media and Communications with AIST. I'm joined by Daniel DiStefano, APAC Product Manager at State Street, and David Gross, Head of Alternatives Australia at State Street. Today, we'll be discussing what's on the regulatory radar for Superfund execs this year and where the unlisted asset valuations debate may be leading us, including implications and challenges for the industry. So, Daniel and David, welcome. Daniel, turning to you first, it's fair to say that 2022 was a volatile year for the superannuation industry. We saw a deepening of the Russia-Ukraine war, inflation climbing to multi-decade highs, and the RBA's tightening cycle. Against this backdrop, we saw a raft of new regulations come into effect throughout 2021 and 22 to help improve robustness, transparency, and accountability across the sector. What are some of the regulations that are in scope this year and on the radar for super executives? Thanks, Gary. Look, this year, we've got a combination of reforms that will continue from prior years and also some new reforms that will be coming to the attention of superannuation trustees including the Retirement Income Covenant, which came into effect last year, but trustees must now ensure that they have a retirement income strategy in place and publicly available via their fund's website, and must also regularly monitor outcomes against that strategy. We know that APRA and ASIC are conducting a joint thematic review of trustees' retirement income strategies this year, and so we can expect to see some more outcomes from that later this year. In terms of climate risk disclosures, we'll see a continuation of the consultation around disclosure frameworks here um, intended to improve clarity around managing and assessing climate risks. It will ensure large businesses and financial institutions provide transparency around how they are responding to climate change and supporting the transition to net zero. So the reporting requirements are expected to become mandatory for large entities, including superannuation funds and phased in over the next couple of years. We can expect to see a continuation of the APRA superannuation data transformation project, but expect to see improved reporting standards um, and improvement in uh, depth of, of data collected by APRA to manage risk in the industry. Along a similar vein of data and reporting, trustees of funds that are obliged to report derivative trades to ASIC should also be thinking about preparing for the significant rule rewrites that will become effective next year. And lastly, The Your Future, Your Super laws are currently being reviewed by Treasury and will likely result in some modifications or changes to those reforms over the course of this year and beyond, particularly around adjustments to the benchmarks for the performance test. Despite this and and many other reforms, we'll continue to expect to see continued pressure on funds that will likely cause further consolidation across the industry. Thanks, Daniel. Certainly, there's a lot going on the, uh, in the regulatory space, impacting various teams and functions across funds. Are there any particular areas of focus for APRA this year that could result in further change? There will be, Gary. We expect to see a focus from APRA this year on resilience of the superannuation sector. It's a priority for APRA this year in terms of supervision of operational resilience. Um, late last year, APRA proposed a new reporting prudential standard known as CPS 230, Operational Risk Management. And so we can expect to see APRA release a practice guide for consultation this year that supports those proposed changes. Uh, 
Another area of change coming this year and a focus will be with regard to transfer planning. That will look at measures to enhance planning by trustees in the event they need to transfer members out of or into their fund. APRA also will be focused on investment governance and the need for a robust governance framework for the selection, management and monitoring of investments which are appropriate to the size and complexity of each fund. A revised investment governance standard known as SPS 530 came into effect from 1 January this year. Daniel, thank you. Uh, can you expand on the revisions to the investment governance standard, please? Sure, Gary. There were three key primary areas that APRA identified for improvement. They included stress testing, valuation, and liquidity management. Thank you, Daniel. Now, turning to David and delving a little deeper into the SBS 530 investment governance standard and expectations around asset valuations. From your perspective, what are some of the implications of these changes for super funds, particularly in light of their growing allocation towards unlisted assets? Thanks, Gary. The new investment governance standard, SPS 530, and the related practice guide, which was released late last year too, um, cover a number of different areas, and they're broader than just private markets. But really, some of the key requirements are very relevant to private markets investment and seek to address some of the challenges of investing in liquid assets through a comparatively liquid superannuation fund structure. As Daniel mentioned, three of the key requirements of SPS 530 are to do with stress testing, valuation, and liquidity management. So looking at each of these in turn, the new standard requires that a registrable superannuation entity or super fund have a board approved comprehensive stress testing program in place. This stress testing program is required to include modeling of different scenarios and tracking the impact of these scenarios for members. Where the standard talks about the impacts of the scenarios, they mean at a minimum the impact on performance, on liquidity and on climate risk. While this stress testing requirement applies across all investments, it's likely to be more challenging for private markets investments given that historically many super funds have had less transparency in relation to their private markets investments than they have in relation to their public markets investments. So, for instance, if a super fund invests in a portfolio of different private equity funds across different strategies and different geographies, it's, it's difficult to model valuation movements under different scenarios unless you have a good understanding of the characteristics of the underlying investments. Similarly, modelling of fund liquidity under extreme adverse scenarios may lead to some challenging questions around the appropriate level of private market investment that these funds should hold. The result of the stress testing then needs to be notified to the board. So an important aspect is ensuring that the board has clear responsibility for this process. So in addition to that, the new standard also seeks to bolster and elevate the importance of evaluation policy um, and process. The standard suggests without mandating it, the establishment of evaluation committee as a subcommittee of the board. And I believe that most of the large superannuation funds in Australia are adopting this recommendation. So the standard requires the the super fund have a board approved valuation policy. It also requires that the fund apply its valuation methodology consistently and that where external managers provide evaluation, this valuation is appropriate and any conflicts are considered. This presents some challenges in relation to private markets valuations, particularly where these investments are managed by third parties. For instance, historically a super fund which invests in private equity funds would have taken a, a fairly passive approach to the valuations received from the private equity manager, but SPS 530 really requires them to demonstrate 
that they've satisfied themselves in relation to the appropriateness of the valuations and considered any conflicts of interest that the manager may face. And thirdly, the final key focus of SPS 530 is to do with liquidity management, as we said earlier, with the standard really seeking to elevate the importance of that. Similar to the valuation policy, it requires super funds to have a board approved liquidity management plan and clear responsibilities for oversight of liquidity management. As with the valuation requirement, the new standard is not intended to be prescriptive in relation to how liquidity is managed, but rather it seeks to ensure that appropriate governance is in place so that the fund has a deep understanding of the liquidity demands of the fund and how investing in different asset classes may impact fund liquidity. It's obviously a key area for funds as they increase their allocations to, to private markets, which are generally less, less liquid than public markets. So in summary, I'd, I'd say that the overall effect of the standard is not necessarily to prescribe how funds should manage these challenges, but rather to ensure that appropriate governance is in place, particularly to ensure policies and procedures are clearly documented with peer oversight by the boards. Australian super funds are somewhat unique globally. They seek to bring together the ability to invest in long-term illiquid assets with the right for members to have a high level of portability between investment options and between different super funds. This leads to challenges and complexity. And I think the requirements of SPS 530 are an important step in ensuring that these risks are effectively managed by funds. David, you just alluded to uh, portability and structural complexities there. Uh, perhaps you can expand a little bit more on that. Yeah, as I mentioned, I mean, Australian super funds are quite unique. I can't think of a, another major market with comparable structures. Most of the, the comparable jurisdictions are either like Canada, where they invest for the long term in private markets, but they have limited liquidity for members, or like the defined contribution schemes in the UK or 401k schemes in the US, where members have high levels of liquidity, but the funds can only allocate to comparatively liquid investments. So the unique structure of Australian super funds in that they combine the ability to invest in illiquid assets while providing a high level of liquidity for members pose some structural challenges. The, the benefits of investing in private markets are, are widely appreciated and their long-term nature match well with the long time horizon of most super funds. However, SPS 530 seeks to address some of these challenges to ensure that super fund boards are focused on understanding the underlying risks and mitigating them to the extent that's appropriate. However, ultimately, as long as there's a mismatch between the liquidity of the underlying investments and the liquidity offered to members, some of this risk will inevitably continue to exist. What are some um, potential answers here that would allow funds to fully participate in private markets? Given the investment and diversification benefits to super funds that investment in private markets provide, it may be preferable to look at potential structural and governance changes to mitigate the challenges caused by increased allocations to, to private markets. While I think that the requirements of SPS 530 are a good way to improve fund governance around some of these issues, there are some structural changes that could be implemented. These may alleviate some of these risks in a way that enhanced governance alone can't achieve alone. For instance, regulators could encourage super funds to limit the ability of members to freely transfer between different investment options. I'd question whether the majority of members have a real need to switch between investment options more than once or twice a year, which is permitted at the moment. If a limit was placed on this and on transferring between different super funds, it would reduce the problems caused by investors trading on old prices for private market assets. Um, secondly, re regulators could encourage super funds to limit the ability of members to transfer between illiquid options, or they can introduce a delay where members choose to do so. This would, once again, minimise the impact of members transferring based on old private markets valuations. 
It would also prevent members from gaming the system, if you like, by transferring between liquid and illiquid options based on old valuations. Ultimately, superannuation is intended to have a long-term investment horizon, um, which aligns well with the longer-term investment time horizon of many private markets asset classes. But despite this long-term investment horizon, super funds are structured to provide a lot of short-term flexibility, which doesn't necessarily align with the nature of the investments that the super fund holds. Arguably, the focus should be on the long term rather than prioritising the objective of giving members the ability to switch in and out of these options at short notice. Daniel and David, just finally, are there any key takeaways that you would like to add? As we've discussed today, the volume and significance of reform this year is going to continue, as we've seen over the recent past. And trustees need to you know, maintain a level of vigilance around this and, and think about you know, do they have the adequate resources? Do they have the adequate support to manage through these these reforms? And I would suggest, you know, the trustee to think about what avenues could they go down to seek support, whether that be, you know, advisors, industry associations, you know, service providers, continue to, to engage and seek the appropriate support. That's all for this episode of Super Talk. Thanks to Daniel DeStefano and David Gross from State Street. For more episodes of SuperTalk and for more information on the work of the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, visit our website at aist.asn.au and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast.